Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody. The second episode of this 2022-23 basketball season. And welcome to our different format for the months of November and December, at least. Maybe some of January as well. As we work to do the show a little bit more uh, efficiently, at least as we, uh, well, honestly, work to uh, pay the bills. <laughs> I need a little bit more flexibility at this point. So no live shows, as we mentioned in our first show, which happened to be live. Until we get to January, we'll start sprinkling more in at that point. And then by the time we get to our marathon show, which we hope to still have the Thursday before the first regional rankings come out, we will then be at that point fully live. That is our plan. Uh, I know that this conversation on a previous show uh, drew some um, attention. We've gotten some calls and some texts, and we really appreciate that. We've gotten some donations already. We really appreciate that as well. A couple of quick notes. We'll talk about those donations and those options at the end of the show. But I do want to thank everybody who did that. A reminder, also, we're, we're selling our T-shirts. We have links on all of our social media accounts. Um, we'll continue to push that out as well. That's a way that can help this show as well. We have a bunch of different options, including a special 20th edition uh, uh, version of our short shirt that you, you may be interested in picking up yourself. In the meantime, let's get to the news and notes of this week and then talk about what we've got coming up. First and foremost, Randolph-Macon lost. First time in 29 games. We had their coach, Josh Merkel, on the show the other day um, talking about their start to the season at 2-0, barely getting past Hood. They took on Mary Washington this week. Honestly, I thought it was a game that Randolph-Macon would win despite their struggles against Hood. And I know Mary Washington has certainly improved, but Eagles played well and, and got the victory. So a 29-game winning streak for Randolph-Macon is over. Whether they fall out of number one to be determined. Uh, remember, Mary Harden-Baylor, who's at number two, has already lost. Uh, number three, Oshkosh has already lost. Everybody's got games still to be played before we even vote. So we'll see if this is even going to make a difference in our top 25 or, or number one votes. Um, We'll actually talk to our men's panel here coming up shortly, though we talked prior to that Randolph-Macon game, but you'll at least get an idea of what everybody is thinking um, moving forward. Uh, obviously, lots of results, and I encourage you to go to d3hoops.com to get all of our scores, and or, oh, not they're not my scores, but all the scores from around the country in men's and women's basketball, links where we can, uh, live videos and live stats, but at the same time, recaps and wherever. And, and to be honest, I encourage all SIDs to try and help us out and, and supply as much information there because ultimately it's helping your institutions. Um, it's a long, complicated story, but we're doing our best to keep the, the website updated, as we always do. Also, great articles on there. We'll be talking our women's panel coming up, and part of our women's panel is Riley Zayas. He's doing already a yeoman's job of covering the women's side of things through our blog, and uh, you should absolutely read those he's doing a, a terrific job of just kind of showcasing things here and there speaking of blogs in conjunction of this episode going out i finally have released my preseason top 25 ballot it's coming out in pieces so you'll see the first part of it which has my usual diatribe of nothingness probably at the beginning before revealing the top 10 we'll then reveal the next 10 and then we'll reveal the final five with some thoughts at the end of that I did this for a number of years, got away from it basically due to COVID and some other distractions. Had enough people asking me, where is it? I'm kind of interested in your perspective on things that we're going to release it again. Just a quick note, I do not send those out um, prior to the top 25 coming out. I don't, I don't want anyone to think I'm trying to influence or sway or change the minds of any other voter. 
Um, believe it or not, I know that has come up in some people's minds, but it's something I've always thought of, and so we always release it after the fact. Now, I wrote something about every single team on this one, so it's a lengthy ride, and that's why it's three versions, but in the future, you won't get a note about every single team. Um, probably, we average about half the teams, we put a little note in there about how I voted for them. Uh, another thing, we'll switch gears here a little bit. That's surprise. We talked about the two head coaches on the last show that had stepped down on the same day. You had Mount uh, Milwaukee School of Engineering and Carroll both having their coaches announce on the same day that they were resigning from their positions. Um, in Carroll's case, it was a statement from the school. We never actually heard from Paul Combs. And in MSOE's case, it was a tweet by their head coach that he was going to focus on just AD job. His Saturday game coming up will be his last as a men's basketball coach. The next day, we found out Bethany's head coach had stepped down. So that's three coaches in 24 hours in a, the start first week of the, of the Division Three season. I have no idea what's going on. I wish I could give you more information, but there you go. Uh, I think we mentioned in the show, if we didn't purchase, SUNY purchase, women's basketball has canceled their season rather quietly. Ryan Scott doing some digging to find that one out. And it got us thinking about all the other schools that may be struggling. I know um, there was talk about Maine, um, uh, sorry, SUNY Maritime starting up a women's basketball program, but that's a slow burn. They were supposed to play a couple of games this year, nothing of substance. Uh, they're not doing that this year, but they still hope next season to have a, a decent schedule. And then the following season, 2024-25, they would be fully in with the SUNY or the Skyline and everything else and be a full-time member. But Tough challenges there at uh, at uh, SUNY Maritime, as um, a great conversation over the years with their AD and men's basketball coach. They only have twelve percent women at that campus, and so there's a there's a whole dynamic there that they're looking to try and, and adjust and change. Uh, conference action has already gotten started in a lot of places, which is mind blowing. We talked to Brian Morehouse on the show last, talking about how those games are earlier and earlier, and how frustrating that is. I'll be calling conference games. Uh, right before Thanksgiving and right after. And there's already some places, as we'll talk about in our segments, where conference games are already underway as early as November 10th. Granted, some of those may have been moved around for other reasons, but still those those games are being played. Uh, I, I realize that there are larger conferences out there and they got to find room to put games in. I know there's schedules to work around. There's exams to work around. There's the holidays to work around. I get all of that. But to some degree having a conference game a week or two into the season, it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I realize again that there's mitigating circumstances and there's individual circumstances and so on and so forth. But it's bonkers to me that we're already talking about conference games and important conference games. You go back to Randolph-Macon. Uh, they will be playing Hampton-Sydney coming up right before Thanksgiving. That's a huge rivalry game to get their ODAC schedule underway. A uh, little note, I uh, got to see Mount Aloysius uh, play Goucher as I started my 27th season as public address announcer for my alma mater and saw for my first time a female official calling a men's game. Absolutely awesome. Got to meet her before the game. Uh, I thought she did terrific. <laughs> she absolutely controlled the job. Not that I would have expected otherwise. You, you get that job because you are good. I was told by Greg Thomas, who's our, our friend, mainly especially on the football side, but he'll contribute on, on occasion. He's contributed a lot behind the scenes. Um, he's out west in the Skyac land, and he said he went to a game recently and there was a female official. So nice to see that moving forward. You know what would be really nice now? How about a female coach coaching a men's basketball team? There's no reason that shouldn't be happening. 
in my opinion. I think there's good enough women's coaches that should be able to coach the men's teams, just like good enough men's coaches are coaching the women's teams. Um, we've seen it dabbled with the idea in the pros. We've seen it dabbled in other locations. High time Division Three said, hey, we know how to do this. We know how to make it work. Here you go. So uh, just a couple of news and notes as we move forward. I am sure I've missed something. Uh, be sure to go log on to d3hoops.com and keep up to date. You can follow them on Twitter at d3hoops. You can follow me at d3hoopsville or using the hashtag hoopsville. Of course, always use the hashtag d3hoops for anything and everything basketball-related in Division Three. That's not just a hashtag that happens to be our d3hoops.com website address, but it also is the hashtag that the division chose to use. And so the division has embraced d3hoops, and I encourage you to use it. Uh, as well. All right, so coming up on the show, lots still to cover. Uh, up next, we'll talk to the men's basketball top 25 panel. We had Bob Quillman, Ryan Scott, along with Matt Snyder, who came on the show to talk about it. We pre-taped it ahead of Wednesday's game, so some of what we talk about, you'll notice, has already happened. For example, the Stockton game is uh, against the sales is discussed. Uh, again, that is coming up. Uh, we'll also talk to our women's panel that features Gordon Mann, Scott Peterson, and Riley Zayas. Really good conversation with them about the women's top 25 preseason and current start to everything. And then we'll wrap up the show. A couple of uh, minor notes to, to cover there and a lot more. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. We hope you're enjoying this one, whether you're watching the live, the video version of it, not live, but the video version of it, or listen to the podcast. Make sure you let us know. And by the way, review, rank, do whatever you can to uh, let us know that you enjoy the show, especially if you listen to the podcast. Those things help promote the show, get us more attention, and as we'll talk at the end of the show, could even help us with sponsors and advertisers. We'll be back with the men's panel when we come back here on Hoopsville. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Passion's love. Passion is love for what you do. Because I think when you face challenges, it comes down to how much you want it and how much you love it. Passion is what keeps you going forward. Seeing so many people that were like-minded and so hardworking in their sport and academics, being surrounded by like-minded people makes you want to be more passionate. I think it pushes you to a, a different level that maybe you didn't think you had. And you can do the best of both worlds and love all of it. back to Hoops for the second episode of our season as we're underway again not live but giving you or trying to give you a video version and an audio podcast version there may be times we don't have time to put the uh, video together 
but we'll certainly try always have a podcast, but working on it. And, and here's here. Here we are. Here we are. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. You can always follow us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're also on Instagram at D3 Hoopsville there as well, where we try and promote the show. If you want to interact with us, though, use Twitter and Facebook. Uh, you can also email Hoopsville at D3 Sports.com. That's Hoopsville at D3 Sports.com. If for some reason that doesn't work, my email address is on the D3 Hoops website under the directory. You can use that one as well. Let's talk men's basketball. Our preseason top 25 has been out for a little while, and we won't get a, a new poll here for just a bit as we wait for more games to be played. So it was high time to get our panel together. It's not all of them. We have about five, maybe six guys who come on who are top 25 voters who have outed themselves as top 25 voters. So we're not outing them or putting them in a precarious spot, but we got three of them, uh, three uh, very different perspectives on things. You got Ryan Scott, you got Bob Quillman, and you got Matt Snyder. They sat down with me on Wednesday afternoon, we should point out, this is before games are played on Wednesday, to talk about the preseason top 25 and, of course, bring our debatable, our uh, dubious, and our deep dive selections to the conversation. Now joining me on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's three of our men's panelists. Not all. That would have been a little crazy. But Ryan Scott, Matt Snyder, and Bob Quillman join me. Gentlemen, first and foremost, thanks for uh, taking the time out of your day to join us on the show. And and more importantly, welcome to the season. Uh, I can't believe we're already saying that. I can't believe Thanksgiving's around the corner. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on preseason and and how the season has progressed so far? Yeah, I mean, uh, like any year, November's full of surprises. Um, we, you know, the short turnaround, like always, we're getting used to still a couple years in that we're, we're starting, you know, this year on the eighth, um, teams looking awfully rusty out of the gate. Um, but a few looking pretty good. So, um, just excited. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, and we got to get used to November, always having surprises, Bob, uh, your vantage point, you're kind of in a little bit of a hotbed down there of teams. We're all watching down there in Texas. Yeah, it's um, I, I think the theme of the season for me, Dave, coming in was so many teams replacing guys that graduated. You know, last year we had all these guys returning. And now this year, most of the country lost a ton. So I think what you're seeing, to no surprise, is the teams that are kind of reloading and reconfiguring. You know, some of them look OK. Some of them look a little shaky. They, they, they don't look quite like they will in January. Um, there's there's a couple teams that are starting to stand out, though. So I think this is playing out kind of as I expected. And that I I think we're going to see a lot of uneven play throughout November and December. No, great point. Um, yeah, we're in this weird transition, maybe finally getting back to what we're used to of normal four year rotations and getting guys off rosters and not maybe six years in between. Though I think the grad transfer thing is certainly throwing an interesting monkey wrench into all of this. Uh, Matt Snyder, your reactions on the on the start? Yeah, one of the things I've been excited to watch is all of the great early season matchups we've already had and that we're going to have this upcoming week, uh, particularly those matchups that are cross-region, teams from the East Coast coming to the Midwest. We've seen a lot of those. We're going to see several more, and I think that's been a really fun uh, way to start November here. It's interesting. It's an in-region uh, series of games. When I mentioned on the last show, Mary Hart and Baylor heading out to California, playing three California Skyac teams in four days, and then a month off. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Some of the quirks of the early season. Of course, they went two and one out there. And, and to be honest, I don't think I'm surprised they went two and one in the grand scheme of things, considering it all. All right. So if you're new to our top 25 panelists, this is how we work. Uh, we we each have done a these guys have all put themselves out there publicly as being top 25 voters. So we don't put them in any precarious place. Um, 
they're going to, we're going to have three different topics, debatable, deplorable, and dubious, different deplorable team, now, deplorable. Huh? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. No, no, no. Debatable, dubious, and deep dive. You scared deplorable. me. Deplorable. <laughs> we'll add that to the mix. Um, but yeah, no, debatable, uh, dubious, and deep dive, uh, debatable teams that, you know, debate where they are or not in the rankings, uh, dubious, are they a little bit too high maybe? And then deep dives, a team that either is barely getting votes or is not getting votes at all that maybe we should have our eyes on, even if we're not personally voting for them ourselves, we, we might not be voting for them either. Uh, guys are going to give theirs for each of these topics. And then I'll mix in. If I have anybody that, uh, jumps out to me as well, we'll go in reverse order. We'll start this off with debatable Matt Snyder. We'll let you get off the bait off the, uh, off the uh, mat here, as it were, give us a team that you're looking at, that you're debating about where they're positioned in this preseason top 25, which we all admit we know is a bit of a crapshoot sometimes. Yeah. My debatable team, uh, is Wheaton of Illinois. Um, they were the preseason number 24 when the ballot came out. I had them as high as 13. I am I might be too high on them, but I didn't know what to do with Wheaton, and I didn't know what to do with the CCIW in general. Um, when, it, when it comes to Wheaton, they only get two starters back, I believe, and essentially three rotation players. Uh, the biggest name was uh, Namie Adome, Adome um, if I'm saying that correctly. They do return Tyson Crookshank, um, and I think they're bringing in a couple of D1 transfers and some quality D3 transfers. So I just wasn't really sure what to do with the Thunder in general. I kind of felt uncomfortably high at 13, um, but that's kind of there was. I had a back and forth with um, with Wheaton and the whole CCIW. I just didn't really know what to do with it and what their position within that conference would be. I agree. I, I had I had a lot of challenges myself with the CCIW team. So this is a nice transition. Uh, we'll go right to Bob Quillman, who obviously knows a lot about the CCIW. Bob, just to couch before you get to debatable, you're you're just your reaction to that because I think it's it's one that we talked about on your show as well. Yeah, I, I, the uh, the CCIW is, was a confusing picture coming in. It is a confusing picture. Um, I think the order that the coaches went with was Illinois Wesleyan, North Central, Elmhurst, Wheaton, something just like that. Um, all of those teams were great last year, but they lost a lot. North Central lost the least of that group, but they had a coaching change, right? So um, with Wheaton in particular, the key there is they brought in three impact transfers. So a kid that was an all Skyac performer as a, as a grad student, a fifth year guy, um, they brought in Micah Schneiders from Division One Eastern Illinois. And they brought in a six nine kid from Division One Northeastern, and as I've looked, as I've watched Wheaton, I think they look fantastic. I think Wheaton and Elmhurst and the CCIW look outstanding right now. So um, I'll spill into my debatable because it's also in the same conference. I'll say Illinois Wesleyan. I had uh, my alma mater about where they landed. I they, they're they're twenty one, and I can't remember where I had them. It was about that um, talent wise. They could be as high as, as seven, eight, nine, ten. They're loaded, but they're it's a whole rotation of new guys playing together. Their best players are sophomores, and you know down the stretch against Stevens Point, they looked like they didn't know who was supposed to be taking shots and doing what. And, and so um, I think come January, I think Illinois Wesleyan for sure is a top twenty-five team. Right now, they would be my debatable. No, I, I can see the point just for the record. And I can't believe I did this because I'm looking through my preseason bowl. I don't have a CCIW team in there, but I know my debate was, I don't know who to put in there. Yeah, and I think you guys have kind of ex thing. 
expressed that. And, and as I said on your show too, Bob, the, the top was so good last year, but everybody else wasn't. That gap was weird. And I don't, I, I don't know how to read it. And I could be dead wrong. I, when you guys all read my poll, which will be coming out soon, even though it's rather late at this point, you'll see I'm all over the place. Uh, Ryan, you're debatable. Well, I think that that Illinois Wesleyan, it, it's a good transition, right? Because you have this team that is talent-wise, top five, top 10, but on the floor, they've clearly not put it together yet. Um, my debatable is a team that last year I felt like was a, a top five talent, but didn't put it together until the very end, uh, which is Mary Harden Baylor, right? That they had the amazing run in the tournament, which which showed off the talent they had. They put it all together in a way they hadn't all season. And so, you know, for me, I was surprised that they came in at number two simply because, you know, it was really just a couple of week run there where they put it together. And I was, you know, not quite sure that they were going to have, have be able to do that this year. And so then we, we've seen them, those three games you mentioned in California, where they, they played well in some and not so well in others. Um, and it's, are we going to get, you know, March Mary Harden Baylor, or are we going to get January Mary Harden Baylor where they were good, very good top 25, but not quite up, you know, at the very top. So that's kind of, I'm waiting to see, and we have to wait a while now to see what kind of performance they're going to be putting out the rest of the year. Yeah. We got a month now. I think that's a really good one. And I'm in the same spot where I don't quite know what to, to make of them. And, and with them, they're one of the teams that returned almost their whole nucleus. So where some teams, I think you give them some rope and say, okay, yeah, they looked terrible, but they're going to figure it out. With Mary Harden Baylor, you, you look at that opener against Claremont Mud Scripps and boy, did they look awful. They played terribly. Now, then they come back in a tough matchup against Redlands, tough style, Eric Bridgeland's system. And they ended up playing really well in the second half, pulling away, winning. And then they beat Pomona Pitzer. So do you, do you just forget about the opener and say, that was the opening game. They traveled a long way. And, uh, it, you know, just that's how it goes. Or do you say they didn't look? I think on overall in those three games, I voted them number one. <laughs> they didn't look like number one. So for me, they're... They're on my ballot, but way lower than where I had them. Well, and and as I said, I expected all last year for them to play better than they did. They won a lot of games because they're really, really good, but they weren't playing at the level that we expected them to, given their roster, until they got to March. And it's it's just whether they can sustain that for a whole year now. Uh, I totally agree. Actually, I had them number two on my preseason, and I specifically said, and people read this, you know, basically have everyone back from a team we thought underperformed until late in the year. Josiah Johnson's also supposedly finally recovered from a knee injury that he played the entire season with last year. Um, so I had high expectations, but yeah. debated. It would be my debatable too. I'm not sure if it's the right one or not. Uh, we'll jump to dubious now. This is one that we think is well, maybe a little too high. Maybe Mary Arden Baylor is part of that conversation, but there's certainly others. Bob, I'll jump with you on this one. Who would you label as a dubious team? One that maybe the voters, yourself, whomever, are just way too high on. Yeah, maybe it's not It's not way too high, and this is similar to the Illinois Wesleyan thing I just mentioned, but Wash U lost at Wabash, which I don't think is a bad loss at all. I think Wabash is, is, has looked great. Um Maybe one on paper, you thought Wash U was in position to win. And then and then last night, really struggled against Webster. I saw Webster in person Sunday, and Yeshiva beat them by 17, 18 points. And then, you know, Wash U beat Webster by one. Uh, I think talent-wise, same thing as Illinois Wesleyan. 
talent wise, this is a top 10 team, but do they have it all figured out? I, I think they've moved Yogi into that point guard role and they're playing Hayden Doyle off the ball and they're trying to figure out who their five man is. Is it, is it Wolf or Davitt and uh, Charlie Jacob? So they're trying to put all this stuff together and, and dubious. I would say that maybe WashU is a little high currently, but by January, we'll probably be talking about them leading the UAA. So we'll see. That's an interesting choice. I kind of, I kind of dig it. Uh, Matt, your, your dubious choice out of this one. Yeah. My dubious team was a, a, a team I did not vote for. I ended up number 14 Middlebury. Um, and I think they're being voted by the electorate here on the strength of literally everyone. I think on the team returned um, or everyone that was able to return. Uh, but I look at the team last year and I just didn't see results that suggested to me they were right on the cusp of maybe a, a, a top 15 placement. Um, I think they're going to be a good team this year. I think they're going to be in that top 25 conversation. But right off the bat, kind of putting them there right in the middle of the poll seemed dubious to me. Um, last year, they finished number 73 in the Massey ratings, two and five versus top 100 competition. But then if you look at um, kind of who they played that ended up being in the NCAA tournament, they lost by 16 to Williams. Um, sorry, 16 to Wesleyan. They lost by 17 to Williams. They lost by 25 to Williams. They lost by nine to Keene State at home. Um, I just think that there were a lot of results there that were lacking as far as um, that team being right on the cusp. I know it was a young team, a lot of freshmen and sophomores, so I'm expecting growth there. But I kind of feel like with Middlebury, the voters here kind of gave them a whole lot that they haven't maybe yet yet earned on the floor. Yeah, that's a valid argument. Uh, I, I totally agree with you, and I'm probably one who's giving them a little bit too much credit myself. Ryan, uh, you're dubious. All right, so I'm going out on a limb here because we are recording this Wednesday afternoon. And Stockton is playing DeSales tonight. And I think they could come out with a really great performance and beat DeSales, and that would change my mind. But I haven't thought the first couple of games that Stockton has looked as good as I expected them to look. They certainly didn't look as good as they did in, in March last year. Um, they are another team that's brought back most everybody. Um, and so I kind of expected them to be able to click a little bit. They're a team that shares the load a lot. Um, you know, DJ Campbell takes a ton of shots but he doesn't always have the ball in his hands and they've got multiple guys who can score. You know, it's just a sort of lineup that you would expect to be okay at the beginning of the year. And they haven't quite looked like they've clicked yet. And so they're, they're maybe a little high on the ballot for what they've done so far. But then of course, maybe Wednesday night, they, they just trashed the sales and, and I look silly now, but that's my, that's my, I, that's where I was going. If I needed to pick up a, a, a dubious one, it was Stockton. Nine feels way too high to me. You say they looked good in March. I think they only looked good because the teams they played weren't great. Hopkins, I think, was exhausted from the Yeshiva game and gave Stockton the ability to, to kind of walk through that one. Stock and I, and be honest with you, I don't think Hopkins looked good against Yeshiva either. I, I don't think Hopkins, Hopkins may have peaked a little too early last year, at least based on March. Um, and, and again, a, a nine point win over Baruch, a three point win over Penn state Harrisburg. The sales is not the team they were last season. So I'm not putting a ton of stock in that game. I have stocked into my top 25 preseason poll. And honestly, probably should have replaced them with a CCIW. I just didn't want anybody accusing me of overlooking the end Jack. Uh, though I have Rowan in there too. I, I'm, I'm not high on Stockton and, and, kind of Matt to your point it's kind of like the Middlebury yeah they bring everybody back they had a nice second weekend run but maybe was that smoke and mirrors and, and maybe I'm dead wrong like Ryan maybe I'm dead wrong on that uh, let's dive into deep dive this is a team that again 
maybe barely getting any points, maybe not getting any at all, including from ourselves, but is on our radar, one that we would you know probably consider in that conversation. Ryan, uh, let's go with you first and we'll mix it up from there. Um, so I always try, I always pick a team that hasn't gotten any votes, which is really hard with the preseason poll because everyone in the world is getting votes. I think there's one that's pretty obvious and I'm going to save because I don't want to step on anybody's toes. I don't know who else somebody else is bringing up, but one team that I think would be interesting to watch is Trinity, Connecticut. Um, they had a really good young team last year. They had some good results. It was a little inconsistent, um, but they just trash Nichols in their one game so far this year. Um, and so playing and beating a good team early with a team that, you know, has a lot of talent on it. Um, I really think, you know, Matt brought up Middlebury. I think Williams is clearly ahead in the NESCAC, but I think Trinity can be right up there challenging for number two this year. Um, obviously we're basing on one game and last year's performances, but that's where we are at the preseason poll to get a deep dive. Um, I dig it. I, I, I think it's an interesting choice. One I hadn't considered. I like it. Um, yeah, we'll go Matt this time. Uh, yeah, for deep dive, I picked Swarthmore. They were not um, in the top 25, but they were right outside. I think they were the third highest outside. I had them up at number 19, but they were a team I didn't really know what to do with. Uh, but I think I kind of landed on them. They were good last year. Uh, they returned a whole bunch. I think they returned maybe six of their rotation players. And um, let's see, I had a note here. Six of the top seven scorers on their team are back including two of their best three three-point shooters. Again, they played a lot of younger players in the rotation. Um, I'm kind of looking for them to uh, build on that strong season last year where they were uh, neck and neck with Johns Hopkins in the Centennial most of the way. They ended up hosting NCAA tournament. I think maybe the committee was a little higher on them than I would have been last year. Um, but I'm looking for Swathmore to have a really good season this year. And the more I looked into their team, the more I came away with that. Yeah, this is going to be a, probably a, a good team here. And they've had some nice early season results. Um, already this season to kind of build on. They had an 18-point win over Westland from the NESCAC already, and that's the, a quality, quality win. No, you're right. Uh, Swarthmore's impressed me coming out of the gate, for sure. I wasn't sure what to make of them, and I think they're going to be maybe better than I anticipated. Uh, Bob, you're deep dive. I'm going to try to sneak two in here. Uh, one, sure. just in a passing comment to say that because Calvin beat Oshkosh, I don't think they're a deep dive. I think they're all over the radar all of a sudden. So Calvin well, They're was a deep dive prior that's for sure <laughs> right there i think i think they probably need to need to get in pretty soon but my deep dive is a team that didn't get any votes and that's McAllister. um I, I think as a program you could always start to feel when a program is knocking on the door we we can point out a lot of these you know like swathmore when they started building it you could see it coming i think McAllister is is, is knocking on the door if you look at their talent on that team and their balance. It's really impressive. Uh, I believe they're off to a three and zero start. It's two and zero or three and zero, And I don't think there's any win in there yet. That's a signature win, but, but I think that's a team that can win the MIAC. You know, I think St. John's is really good. Um, but I think McAllister could be a team that contends. And so, so to me, I, I have, I'm not going to vote for them yet. But uh, deep dive, a team that you keep your eye on, I, I would keep your eye on McAllister. Those are great choices, guys. Really dig them. Um, real quick, I'm not going to go with a team. I'm just going with conferences I'm watching because I think there's teams in there that we probably need to be considering at some point. Um, ODAC, I, I'm I'm fascinated with how the ODAC's going to play out this year. A revamped ODAC with Averett now in there. And I think that's going to be a more fascinating conference race. And the Skyac, 
and listen, I think that's a deeper conference. I think Mary Harden Baylor kind of exposed that a little bit. We've all known it's a it's a good conference and it's deep on top and they've done well in the NCAA tournament. I think it's even deeper than we realize. And maybe we got a couple of top 25 teams out there. Could be dead wrong, but it's one of those, you know, deep dive in the sense of it. I'm, I've got them on my radar. Uh, guys, that was awesome. Uh, not done with you yet because I want kind of your overall take. Looking ahead now in the next couple of weeks, great matchups. We know we got some good games on tap. Kind of your thoughts as we move forward. Bob, I'll start with you. Yeah, I have my eye on uh, the, the tournament that, that my alma mater is going to out in South Dakota called the Small College Champions Classic, where we're going to get some really good matchups. So you've got, uh, for example, Illinois Wesleyan playing Nebraska Wesleyan and Illinois Wesleyan playing number 13, St. Joe of Connecticut. You also then have uh, matchups on the other side of that where Wisconsin Oshkosh is there and will play um, – I can't remember how all the matchups work out, but you've got good cross-region matchups out there the other team that i have my eye on in a big way i think wisconsin lacrosse has looked as good as anybody so far when you look at quality of wins it's hard to have two better wins than lacrosse has right now when you look at schedules so i have my eye on the wisconsin intercollegiate athletic conference we all thought oshkosh was the team uh, i th- i think it i think it's lacrosse and oshkosh just neck and neck I kind of dig. I, I I debated about lacrosse hard. I, I definitely have Oshkosh in my preseason L- lacrosse. I debated about putting them in there. I think they deserved it. But again, forty teams deserve to be in the top twenty-five on my ballot, and it's hard to whittle them down. Um, Ryan, we'll go with you. Yeah, I was going to mention the the Illinois Wesleyan St. Joe's game is really interesting. St. Joseph is a team that doesn't really shoot threes. They they drive and it's layups and it's post play, and there are not a lot of teams in New England with the size to really challenge them. And so getting a chance to play against Illinois Wesleyan, where we'll get to see early in the season, whether they're really for real or not, because obviously Illinois Wesleyan has the kind of size that can make it difficult to score in the paint. And so, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing that when the other one is Keem is traveling to the, the great lakes invitational um, Keen's a team that almost always does well in March but we don't know what team they are until they get there. And this is giving them a couple of chances um, to get some good competition. Uh, they're playing Maryville and Marietta, I think. And so those are, those are stronger opponents than they would normally get um, early in the season, which will just give us a lot more uh, to judge them on uh, as we go through. Oh, good points all together. By the way, talking about all these tournaments, I'd be lying to say there weren't a few of us looking to rekindle the hoop. So classic, but we'll, uh, Sometime for the future, we'll see. Uh, Matt, your your thoughts moving forward to uh, to what's to come? Yeah, uh, really looking forward to that Great Lakes Invitational Tournament this weekend. Um, Ryan pointed out that Keene State Maryville game. I think that's going to be a really good matchup for those two teams to see where they are uh, in that kind of cross regional space. Uh, but really, just for me, is there a changing of the guard happening in Division Three basketball? I went it through most of last year, thinking Randolph Macon, UW Oshkosh is the top couple of teams. Right now, I'm thinking. Christopher Newport, Mount Union, UW Lacrosse. So, uh, especially with Randolph Macon struggling this week against Hood, good team, maybe not a great team. Uh, just these next couple of weeks, looking to see who are these top teams that are solidifying themselves on top of Division Three. I think the other thing that's interesting is how many times are we talking about a team we think's really good and they have a great November, even a December, and then they fade out, and we're not talking about them again in March, or the team we're not talking about now. 
maybe an Elmer's last season would be an example of that who came rip roaring through the late part of the season and gets all the way to a championship game. And I could be wrong, but it's just kind of my memory. I don't remember Elmer's being high on our list of teams to watch at this point last season. That's the best part about D3 is teams peak and Valley at, at different points. Great example. I think Marietta's always peaked early last season. They finally figured it out, made a great final four run. Unfortunately ran into a buzzsaw pun intended in Randolph Macon. Hey guys, Awesome. As always, to have you guys on. Looking forward to having each of you back on as we rotate our top 25, uh, along with Mike Raniak, Ryan Winnable, maybe others. Uh, it's always fun to see your ballots online, but I'll admit I don't look at them until I'm done voting. I, I am not, I don't want to even get ideas that I'm copying you or something stupid like that. Um, but it's always fun. Thanks for your time. You guys take care. Enjoy your Thanksgivings as well. And we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Thanks again to Ryan Scott, Bob Quillman, and Matt Snyder for joining us to talk preseason men's top 25. Uh, again, that was pre-recorded on Wednesday. Stockton went out and had a very difficult game in overtime against DeSales. Came out with the victory. I'll be honest, I'm just not sold. Yes, I have them in my top 25, but more and more tells me maybe it's a little early for that. Um, so it was an interesting conversation to be had that that, that Ryan brought up um, that may sway or not sway him on things. I would say DeSales is a good team. They're not as good as last year. And so Stockton's come out and struggled a little bit with some teams that they probably should be beating, especially if they are a top 10 team, as the poll indicates, though I have them at 22, and who knows if I'll keep them there. Uh, of course, we didn't discuss Randolph-Macon very much. Macon, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, did go and lose their first game. Their first loss in 29 games, they lost to Mary Washington in a game of two teams that are nearly next door to one another. A little bit of an exaggeration. Um, and we'll see. As I said at the beginning of the show, we'll see if that means that number one changes. Number two lost already. Number three has lost already. There are going to be more losses coming, especially when you look ahead this weekend uh, to the small college uh, basketball event in, in uh, South Dakota that features St. Joseph's of Connecticut, features Illinois Wesleyan, features Wisconsin Oshkosh. And I know I'm forgetting the fourth one. But, you know, these teams are challenging themselves. That means there are going to be losses. Losses shouldn't be unexpected. I've said this before. I'll say it again. When I vote for a number one team, especially in men's basketball, I don't expect an undefeated season at all. So if I don't expect that and the number one team takes a loss, it's going to depend on that loss and whether I'm going to change my mind if they're the number one team in the country. I'm going to have to evaluate when we vote on whether I'm going to take my vote from Mary Washington, or I'm sorry, from Randolph-Macon because of Mary Washington and where I put it. It's a tough question, tough call to be made, but we got more games to be played before we have to make that decision. When we come back, we'll switch uh, to women's basketball. Top tw talk top 25 with Gordon Mann, Riley Zayas, and of course, Scott Peterson as well for that panel and look forward to hearing their take on things on the women's side. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. So much more ahead. Stay with us. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. 
Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're gonna have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete, you're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, be a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. Welcome to Hoopsville as we continue to roll along on our second episode of the season. Again, a little bit different, not live, but you got a video choice or an audio podcast choice. We appreciate you taking the time. Again, please rank or, or vote or however you need to do, especially on the podcast side, to kind of bolster our our show a little bit. We, we certainly appreciate it. Subscribe, of course, so you know when the latest episode has dropped. Uh, talk women's top 25 now. We had Gordon Mann. Riley Zayas and Scott Peterson join me to talk about the women's preseason top 25 and how things have started so far this season. We talked on Thursday afternoon, so by the time you're listening to this podcast, any Thursday games have maybe been played, but you still get a sense of where we think things stand in the women's side of things, which I think for for this conversation revealed, and I think what we all are expecting, this could be a really fun season in women's basketball in Division Three. And now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is our Motley crew. I'm not sure how to describe the three of these guys. Uh, we'll see plenty of them throughout the season talking women's basketball. We'll also try and mix in some other friendly voices and faces. Gordon Mann, though, of course, uh, second in charge at D3Sports.com. I'm, I'm giving you a bump, uh, and I hope the raise comes with it. Appreciate Gordon. it. Absolutely. Uh, obviously, one of our, our lead guys uh, at D3Hoops.com, especially Scott Peterson joining us. He's always had a fascinating perspective on things, though both panels have a Hope Calvin on the men's and women's side angle to this. I'm not sure if maybe we've overthought this and given a little too much respect, but nonetheless, we bring in the Hope grad. Uh, and of course, Riley uh, Zayas, uh, our, our kind of lead, not lead, because Gordon, I'm going to still give the lead to, but definitely <laughs> adding a lot more to the women's side of things at D3Hoops.com through all Already two posts. Riley, you are already out of the gate strong. Uh, already enjoyed reading him. Good stuff. Uh, he joins us out of Texas, of course. Um, and guys, first and foremost, thanks for taking the time uh, on this early season uh, show. And we'll go around the horn. Just your thoughts on preseason and how things have gotten. Gordon, I will start with you, sir. Yeah, I, I came into this season thinking that this was going to be one that was more wide open. Uh, last year, Hope had so many players back that it was kind of the the easy narrative is because well, can anybody stop Hope? And the answer was only briefly if you were trying. Um, I thought it would be more wide open and then Hope has crushed the first two opponents they played. And now I'm not so sure that we're not still in the same mode, but uh, uh, looking forward to see what some of the other teams can do. It's very early in the year. Uh, but that was kind of my my initial reaction to the top 25. Uh, I agree with you, sir. I found it interesting that there were no preseason All-Americans out of hope, but there was still number one. Hey, let's see what that yeah. dynamic is. Oh, by the way, here's 143 points. Uh, immediately, my thought went, huh, maybe not. Uh, let's go. We'll just go and order the on the screen here. Riley, your, your early season thoughts here. Yeah, you know, just kind of follow up with with what Gordon said. I mean, Hope looked so good to start the season, and and I was one of those a little bit unsure about who they would get to really step up. We didn't see a lot of these players play significant minutes last year, though. Some of them were playing in key roles by the time they got to the end of the season. And, you know, one through five, one through, you know, eight, nine looks about as good as they can be for starting the year. And we obviously will always have some kinks in there are some teams that, you know, may need some, some room to improve. 
After that, though, you know, looking especially those 15 to 25, there's a lot of parity in there. A lot of teams that we're looking at right now who have come up with some big wins who weren't even receiving very many votes in that preseason top 25 that very well might be getting a lot more respect from the voters, um, you know, as we as we get into the first in-season poll. Yeah, good point. We'll certainly dive into a little bit of that coming up, but definitely a little bit more parity on the women's side. Scott, uh, your perspective. Yep. Uh, hopes off to a pretty darn good start. I've only recently started digging into stats and I'm going to bring far less uh, journalistic information to the table than the rest of the crew. Um, but I think it's really interesting. I also don't have the a long history of knowledge with D3 hoops, but I think it's interesting that a lot of really longtime stalwart pro- programs graduated a lot, right? Hope, Trine, Amherst, Simpson, Tufts, Whitman, DePauw, all graduated a whole lot of senior minutes production um, and it'll be interesting to see which of them just keep cranking along because of the coaching staff, the pipeline, you know, all of that. Um, and which, you know, it's just hard to replace that kind of talent. No, that's a good point. And we're seeing that even on the men's side, this we're in this kind of transition where all this talent was bottled up due to COVID and stuck around for a lot of schools. Now that's kind of getting dumped off in graduations, but behind it, is what seems like a backlog of good talent, hopes an example of that. But are they good talent or are they just backlog and, and plus, you know, new players coming in? I Yeah, we're in this weird transition post uh, shutdown and, and I'm fascinated to see how it's going to play out. And that might be why we have a little bit more parity as well on the women's side, though, of course, we were heading in that direction in a general sense as well. All right, so the three topics, as we discussed on the men's side, if you've been listening to the show, debatable, uh, deep dive, and uh, dubious, uh, the debatable being a team that uh, debating where they should be. Or maybe they are a top 25 team, but maybe they're too high or too low or, or, or debating where they're, their position. Dubious team is one we feel way too high based on our opinions of that. And maybe we're not voting for them, but they're fifth in the top 25 or something like that. Or maybe their start is just so good they're, or so um, mediocre that it doesn't deserve the ranking they're in. We're in a weird preseason, not new poll situation. And then deep dive is someone who's either barely getting votes outside the top 25 or not getting votes. But one of these guys feels "Eh, probably should be on our radar, even if we're not voting for them ourselves. We'll go in reverse order on this one. Scott, we'll start with you. We'll start with debatable a team again, that you think uh, deserves a little bit of a debate. Yeah, um, I wasn't really sure where to go with debatable because I mean, with in preseason you have such so little information, and so I don't know how in- interesting it is to pick a team that's 23rd in the D3Hoops.com preseason poll and say they should be 15th. Um, so I'm going to throw out Smith. So go really high. Um, they're seventh in the preseason poll, and I think that they should be higher. Um, I think they're a top three or four team. Um, I was very like I was kind of pounding the table for them last year and their game to me seems like the type of game that will win, especially in the tournament um, really solid with the ball and they return just so much. Um, And so, yeah, I, I really like Smith. Um, It could be splitting hairs a little bit saying that they should be higher uh, when they're already seventh, but I expect really big things from them. No, it's interesting how, where that program has also come along. One of those all women's schools is really succeeding well, uh, especially in basketball when admittedly a lot of them are not. Uh, and you look at a school like College of Notre Dame of Maryland, which how I used to know it, it's now uh, Notre Dame University of Maryland uh, going co-ed 
because some of those uh, challenges that they face. Riley, I'll slide over to you here out of the Texas area. I'm fascinated to see what you think is the debatable team. Yeah, so similar to Scott, as I was kind of going through and looking at these teams, you know, there's a few that come to mind, a few that are unranked that I think may maybe have a case to be ranked. But I, I wanted to bring up Amherst for a second because I, I got tuned into their game against uh, Rowan and, and watched a little bit of the Springfield game as well, just as, as they always are, very, very good defensively. But the difference between them this year, I feel like, as compared to last year, last year it took them till about January before we start seeing – the Amherst team that we kind of expected, you know, starting right out of the gate, they've looked fairly good and they're not going to score a lot of points, but they're going to play really, really good defense against Rowan. You know, Rowan was right in that game for the first three quarters and they did not allow a single field goal. I think Rowan was held over 14 shooting in that fourth quarter. They pulled away for the win. When you have a, a good defensive game, it can kind of make up for times when, you're not shooting the ball as well. And we're seeing some of these teams as well in the top 25, teams right outside the top 25 that are very hot, cold because they rely so much on their shooting, so much on their offense. Amherst is the opposite. And I think the case could be made for them to move up one or two spots in the poll, you know, when, when we start to get into the next couple of, of polls into December and January. GP Cromackey is definitely one of the, the best coaches in Division Three for a reason. Gets his programs clicking when they need to, but it, we definitely have the preseason of sometimes scratching our heads. Again, another team like Hope, they can lose a ton of talent and suddenly don't realize sitting on the bench was just as good a talent. They just never got to. Gordon, we've certainly seen Amherst many a time uh, in person and talked to GP about that. But do you have a, a, a different squad that might be on that debatable? Yeah, I'll I'll go outside the region a little bit and 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 say I I think I think Catholic is. Probably they're unranked. They're you know six or seven slots away. I, th I thought the Cardinals. Uh, I have them on my ballot. Um, I think they. I you know I think that's a that's a quality conference. It's not a conference that puts a lot of teams deep into the tournament. They got a you know Catholic and E Town both got both lost their first game in the tournament last year. But Catholic brings a lot back. Uh, I don't see a if you want to count them twenty spot difference between Catholic and Scranton. Not the way they played each other. I'm not sure there's a 10 spot difference between Catholic and Ithaca who Ithaca beat Catholic, but graduated two of their best players. I think the Cardinals, they're going to be a team that's a little harder to get a read on because they're never going to beat you by a, most teams by a lot. They're a lower scoring team kind of in the same, they're kind of in the same vein as, as Tufts or Amherst without that pedigree. Uh, but I think coach Donahue's squad is, is pretty good. And, you know, I guess the preseason they've looked good. The win over Stevens is good. The win over Salisbury is good. Um, you know, it makes it a little easier to, uh, to second guess when you have that information, but I think Catholics, I think Catholics a quality squad that's probably underrated right now. Yeah. Fair argument. And, and obviously I know the conference pretty well being it's in my backyard. Um, I've seen E-Town already. They're going to be a very good team. I don't know if they're a top 25 yet. I, I, I need to gauge that, but they're going to be a very good team, even though they lost the conference player of the year, they they've got the rookie of the year back. They got the defensive player of the year back. They've got some great talent at I thought the win over Salisbury by Catholic was significant. That was a much bigger spread than I ever anticipated. Yeah. And yes, you got Scranton granted new coach. I've heard really good things about him and that program is going to be in the mix and you've got Moravian that landmark conference could be fun to watch, but to your point, kind of all of them need to take a step more than just what Scranton has done uh, right. in years past. Uh, all right, let's jump to uh, dubious. Let's do dubious. Uh, Riley, we'll start with you, a team that you think's maybe getting a little too much love. 
Yeah, and, and again, this I'll, I'll preface it by saying this. I think, as we all know here, I mean, when when you look at the preseason poll, nobody really knows a lot of what to expect. So sometimes, you know, dubious could really just be you know people grading them a little too high to start the year based on just the numbers on paper and not necessarily what their performance is on the court. With that said, uh, Marietta at number nineteen is a team that I think I think they could be a top twenty-five team, but maybe at this point between twenty-two and twenty-five. Um, you know, they, they just, they, they opened the season with that loss to Washington Jefferson, a team that, you know, I think is very good. I think uh, Washington Jefferson, you know, really could be in contention for a top 25 spot um, come January, February. But when you look at Mar uh, Marietta and the way they shot, I think they shot 29% from the field in their first two games. They just didn't quite look at the, look like the same team that we expected them to be. Uh, as we were kind of going through and, and looking at all the information, the preseason, again, more practice time, it, it may benefit them as they get down the road. Yeah. Marietta program that's trying to now come, not compete, but get to the level like their men's program has. And I think they can't, they're hitting a little bit of a ceiling. Uh, I'd be fascinated to see if they can break through that. Uh, Scott, I'll go to you next. What, what might be your dubious? I think Riley and I need to have some friendly side bets because I would go the other way on both Amherst and Marietta than him. So, um, so for dubious, I mean, I, there are a lot of teams that I considered like St. John Fisher, Baldwin Wallace, Mary Harden Baylor, Ithaca is Gordon um, alluded to, but I'll, I'll stay with what I know best here. Right. I'll go with trying. Um, they definitely seemed like, they, don't get me wrong. They had excellent players, but they just seemed like a team that was greater than the sum of its parts. Um, they were just such a tough out. Um, and losing Benowitz, Wildman, Taylor, and Stewart, I think hits a lot more than the individual stats that you see when you look at them. Because you would look up after a game, and Benowitz would have 13 points and four rebounds. And you're like, she was critical, <laughs> like to the whole thing. Um, and so I don't know if I'd put them in my top 20 um, to start the year. Um, hope to be proven wrong, but um, I just don't. I don't see anything besides how good they looked over the last couple of years um, to put them that high. It's an interesting take. I, I don't disagree with you necessarily. Uh, it is interesting that, uh, you know, as a hope fan or graduate, you're not high on another team, the MIA. I'm not all that surprised. Uh, just kidding with you, Scott. Uh, that's a good perspective though. on trying Gordon to you dubious anybody. Yeah, I mean, as the guys have said, it's it's hard to know so so early in the season. There are a few people on the top twenty-five that that weren't on my personal ballot. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little higher up. Uh, I don't think we're really gonna know whether Transylvania is the number two team in the country until March. Uh, their non-conference schedule is not very good. Uh, the best team they played is a Texas Dallas team that just that lost its coach, a bunch of players, and two games in upstate New York. Um, and, you know, yeah, the trip to Texas is, is not easy, uh, but there's nobody else on that schedule. There's nobody else in their conference unless uh, Lexi Dellinger can clone herself over the next four weeks and, you know, have three more of herself on Anderson. They're just going to they're going to roll through their conference by large margins. And last year, when I talked with them a little bit in the tournament. It was clear that it was the fact that they had beaten so many teams by so much that they didn't have to play their starters for three more than three quarters once they got into a tournament, fatigue was an issue, and we're just not going to know. I mean, there's the way Hope has played so far. You don't worry about this too much, but if Hope, you know, had lost to Illinois Westland, 
you're very likely looking at Transylvania as the number one team in the country for the rest of the season, right? Because I don't see a loss on their schedule. Um, I, I just don't know that they're really, I don't know that they're really at that level. And I don't think we're going to know until probably the second weekend of the tournament, which is a long ways away. You know, that's a great point. And I mean, to, to counter that, are they that good? And so they do deserve it because they will roll through their conference or to your point, there just isn't a challenge there for them. I, that's that's going to be one to watch because I'll be honest with Hope. As good as Hope is, there there's a chance that conference trips them. There's sure. there's a that trying game last year is an example of that. It, it can happen, especially when you got a target on the as big as Hope has on their backs. That Transylvania could step into that, and I agree with you. And, and to counterpoint your your thought about you know they don't play all four quarters. And then you have the counter of that. Of the coach decides to play them all four so they can be a bit better ready for March. And now you're destroying right. your yeah. opponents. And that isn't good either. No. You develop some bad blood and it's a, it's a catch 22. Yeah. It's, it's a tough spot for, for coach folks from that perspective. I just, they looked, I have never seen a team look as tired as they did in their game against yeah. uh, Mary Harden Baylor at the end of last year, where, the players were visibly kind of shaking each other off saying, don't throw the ball here. I'm, you know, I can't do it. Um, and, uh, you know, it was an emotional game. Mary Harden Baylor is a very physical up, up tempo team that I'm sure that was a factor, but Transylvania's the guy not going to, again, they're, they're not going to know. We're not going to know how good they really are on, on, until you're at the end of the year, I think. There's such an interesting there. case because I think we do wish that they scheduled a few non-conference games that were a little harder but I mean last year it was oh incredible record just a bad strength of schedule but what I mean they won three games in the tournament yeah like they did they're a good squad and they They were basically everyone um and it'll be interesting if they run the tables I mean with a really bad SOS and maybe regionally ranked wins where they get slotted by the (laughs) that would be fascinating right yeah, well, like if Roger Williams or Wisconsin home. Lutheran ran the tables. Yeah. Right. I mean, they finally got the wins at home too in that tournament. That was kind of a kind of a yeah. a bridge they had to cross and they got there. But yeah, I listen, love to see them in Vegas. Uh Gordon, and we can <laughs> we can maybe yeah, get them some talent out there, games out there. But they they've had some better games non-conference in the past too. Yeah. In their holiday tournament, they had John Carroll last year, who proved to be a you know a very good team. Um, I, I don't know. I have no idea what goes when it goes into the scheduling, but I just don't look at their schedule this year and, and see that kind of opponent. On. No, I agree. Listen, three great choices, guys. Those, those are definitely thought provoking. I appreciate it. Transylvania one's going to have me chewing on that one for a little while. Uh, let's tr- uh, transition to deep dive. All right. This is a team that again, either isn't in the top 25 because there's a, we give a little bit of latitude because there's a lot who get votes who probably deserve it or aren't getting votes at all. But there's somebody that's on your radar, even if you're not voting for him. Uh, Gordon, we'll start with you on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go with the team that I, 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 there were two teams I looked at for number 25, and I ended up voting for New Jersey City, um, who we could talk about, you know, at another time. I'm going to go with Calvin. I think Calvin, uh, close your eyes here, Scott, or close your ears here. I think Calvin's going to be really good. Uh, I think they were, they were not competitive against Trine and Hope last year. So it's, they, but they beat, Eau Claire, and they beat some other really good teams. Um, and as one of those kind of one-off things, when you're preparing preseason All-Americans, you go through the list and, you, you know, I did not think Shannon McCoy was coming back, but she did. I did not think Anna Berry was coming back, but she did. 
I did not think Lexi Dellinger was coming back. Otherwise she would have been on preseason all Americans, which did. Um, but similarly, when I reached out to Calvin, just to, just as a courtesy to say, Gabby Timmer's done, right? No, she's back. And I mean, she's, she's probably the best pure center, depending on what you think of Aaliyah Grundahl's true position is at Whitewater. That Calvin team's really good. Um, they had, they have a, a good one and an okay win this weekend. Uh, I'm very interested to see uh, what the Knights do. Uh, they've got, how's this for, for a tough stretch? At Whitewater, home for hope, at Trine. <laughs> so we'll know, we'll know in two weeks very quickly how good they are. But I can see them, I can see them winning one of those three. And um, I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think, that's a, I think that's a really, really good team. Oh, hey, great point. Um, Calvin is... They're tough because I actually, you can see how far out of the loop I am. I didn't realize Timmer was back and that definitely changes things, but I think it's a great pick because was it five losses last year to try and hope are not really losses, right? Just about everyone in the country would have taken five losses to those teams. (laughs) And Calvin looks way different. If you just subtract those games. Yeah, no, great points. That's yeah. That's, that's a thinker. Uh, Scott, we'll go to you. Uh, Where where would your deep dive be? So again, I'm leaning on the stats. Um, So looking at what's returning, how people ended the year in Massey, which admittedly kind of pumps up the the Mayak and the Wyak teams a little bit. But Gustavus Adolphus really stuck out to me. They did not receive any votes in the preseason poll. I think they return every starter, um, just about every player that played significant minutes. Um, So I think only... NYU and um, a couple teams, NYU, Babson, Santa Cruz, New Jersey City return like more um, of production um, because Davis Adolphus ended the year 15th in the Massey rankings um, and return everybody. And so, I mean, of course, we'll get to find out on the court, but um, seems like there's a lot there that could uh, imply a stronger team. Uh, yeah, they were, they had a, was a breakout season last season, basically um, kind of entered the equation, especially in the Mayak, which was finally St. Thomas less uh, on both sides, um, but took advantage of that opportunity. It's not like they, they came into the conversation because St. Thomas was out. They came into the conversation because they had improved Riley, your, uh, your deep dive here. Yeah. So I, I get that this is kind of, um, you know, I, I'm going to take Washington and, and Jefferson, you know, I, I know I said Marietta, I think you mean Washington and Lee. Yeah. Whole different school if it's Washington and Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. So going through and, and as I was looking through their thing, I, I am talking um, Washington and, and, and Jefferson. Oh, OK. Yeah. So so here, here's the reason why. And, and I, I can explain this a little bit. So they're not receiving votes, right? But they come off a really good year last year. They lose Piper Morningstar, who was a stellar player for them. But they go out and, and on the road, they beat Marietta. And I get, I said Marietta as my dubious pick. But, but to me, a road win in November for a team that lost quite a few players is, is, is convincing in a way. And again, they go and lose to Ohio Northern. You know, you have some, some thoughts there of, okay, are they really – how good are they really? But they bring back some players. Uh, bring, uh, Bez Jack was a freshman last year. Megan Dryberg was a freshman last year. These are players that are developing and improving. And I think once we see them in January and in February, 
they're going to be a more complete team. These players who didn't play a whole lot last year or who were true freshmen getting acquainted to the college level last year will be that much further along. Uh, we could see them, you know, kind of, kind of challenge some teams again. It's so it's too early on to really know how good they can be, but, but watching them play against Marietta, I was pretty impressed. Sorry really, about that. Yeah. They're really I, I, big. Yeah. Physically they're yeah. very large, yeah. especially in the backcourt. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Riley. I did think you were talking WNL, but, uh, WJ certainly makes a little bit more sense. I, by the way, looking at WNL, I think that's a team that probably also should be on everyone's yeah. radars. Got yeah, into the tournament at the last minute, debatable, yeah. argumentatively. Yeah. We could go around in circles on whether they deserve to be in there, but uh, they've got some talent on that team in that ODAC. And by the way, they started the season with two ODAC games. That's yeah. how they started their season. They started against Ferrum and Eastern Mennonite. Yeah. They didn't even get a non conference game before they were playing two very important ones. And by the way, they blitzed Ferrum. Uh, by 19 and they destroyed uh, Eastern Mennonite by 39. Uh, they've got, to, they do have a, another conference game just, just to keep this rolling against Guilford coming up before they'll finally get into non-conference play. And normally we always say that the other way around. Uh, they'll play Mary Washington Swarthmore in non-conference games before getting back into conference action against Hollins. Uh, they've got a wacky schedule, but again, I think WNL just because of the confusion there. And I apologize, Ryan. Uh, Riley, I, I think WNL is one to, to keep an eye on. That is a great point because WNL is definitely a team I'm also keeping an eye on. They, they've they been playing well, and and like you said, I mean, the, there's a couple teams in there. I think all of us probably have at least a handful that we're looking at and seeing and saying, okay, this team we might have to wait and see before, you know, saying they're a top 25 team just yet, but they certainly have the pieces there. It seems like if they can put it all together here in a couple of months, they could be a team that makes a run in the tournament. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right, so let's go. Just appreciate those three uh, topics. Good, uh, good ideas. I'll say. I think probably the best we've had on the women's side because sometimes some of those get a little tougher. But with parity, I think we're 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 able to get into that conversation a little bit deeper now. Uh, just looking ahead now, uh, we probably won't get another panel together until you know early to mid December, just due to trying to let everybody suss things out and get more polls put in place. But Riley, I'll start with you. Just things you're looking ahead, whether it's the next week, next month, whatever, in women's basketball that we all should keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's definitely going to be uh, some teams that we're going to start to see as they get into conference play, start to step up. You know, uh, the MIA uh, starts conference play, as Coach Morehouse was telling you on on Hoopsville the other day, they start very early. And that's going to be interesting to see how these teams kind of approach this because a team like Hope, um, team like Trine, Calvin, you know, they're, they're going to have some big tests right out of the gate in conference play. And these are games that when we get down to the conference tournament and down to, you know, pool C selection, uh, these are going to be games that the committee's going to be referencing. And so even though they're played in December when teams have only had a couple months of practice, uh, they're still going to matter just the same as a, as a game in February. And so I think looking at that, these conferences that start really early, um, like the MIA, will be things to keep an eye on and see how some of these top teams kind of navigate that starting really early. Yeah, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, conference games really early now in a lot of conferences. And as Morehouse said, to, not something he's a fan of. And I, I, either of I've never been a fan of these early games, WNL again, November 10th is playing a darn ODAC game. And I realize the ODAC's larger now, but still. Uh, Gordon, we'll go with you here. Uh, you're, what you're looking at ahead. So uh, what I am uh, what I took out of the first uh, 
weekend uh, and what I'm looking at going forward is that the WIAC as a major power conference may be back. And I realize Whitewater made the tournament last year. Oshkosh was very good. But they went through a spell where they were out in the first round with two or three teams eliminated the first three, um, you know, the first couple of weekends for for a stretch. This weekend, or right now, as, as I'm looking at this, Lacrosse, Oshkosh, Stevens Point, Eau Claire, and Whitewater, so more than half of the conference, are 18 and 0 <laughs> with wins over Bethel, uh, Wartburg, Carroll, Milliken. This is a really good, this is a really Illinois Wesleyan. This is a really uh, deep conference. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, we already knew Whitewater was going to be very good. They are. Uh, Eau Claire turned, returned a lot. They've been very good. Was very impressed by Stevens Point uh, with a new head coach. I watched some of their game against uh, Milliken the other night. Uh, and very, very impressed, although I guess I shouldn't be anymore, with just how Brad Fisher keeps you Oshkosh uh, rolling along because they, they're one of those teams that lost a ton. Uh, and it almost just does. It just doesn't seem to matter. They just keep rolling along and beating good teams. That conference is really good. We won't get to see them, you know, beat each other's brains in until after Christmas. Uh, but they, the, the conference looks really, really good again. Looks like it looks like old school IAC where the guards are large and the forwards are fast. Uh, it's it's you know, the NESCAC is always always has a has a has a hat to throw in the ring here. And now increasingly so does the MIAA, but that may be back. They may be back being the best conference in the country again. It's scary if the YX back to that power glory day stuff. I agree. They, they look like they could be, it kind of miss it to be honest that we, you know, I'm used to weeding through the YX for interviews going, man, we've already had four. We really shouldn't get another. And in the last couple of years, it's been like, Oh, we haven't talked YX enough. Um, but it'd be scary if they're back to that power. Uh, and by the way, you point out great teams that they beat. Uh, yeah. I mean, teams that are going to be in the national conversation. Yeah. Um, let's see, Scott, we'll go to you. Uh, obviously, because you're the last one remaining. Uh, what do you have looking ahead, sir? So building off of what Gordon said about the WIAC, it would be wonderful. Um, we won't know till March, right? To see the women's committee um, start to weight strength of schedule a little bit more, much like the men's side has in the past couple of years. Because um, that is what's going to influence um schools to start scheduling harder and it will also penalize teams in the strongest conferences less um like calvin got beat up last year right we're pretty much never in a pool c conversation when they might have been you know um a good enough team for it they clearly did not have the resume for it um but that'll be interesting come march right i would love to see that shift because i think um playing and beating good teams is worth far more than 10 and 0 versus teams outside the top 150 or 200. Um, but then the other thing I'm, I'm excited for is just to, to learn more about what the landscape is. Um, it's hard to get lots of information, um, especially if you're not in a kind of a journalistic position. And so players returning from injury or were, that were affected by COVID transfers, freshmen, um, players that were buried on the depth chart, but now have an opportunity. Those things can change, you know, a school's trajectory. And I don't know about them, right? Like, Hope has already had two um, significant contributors that I were not on my radar, right? Seedsma and Crabtree. And it's going to be similar for just about every school um, across the country. And it'll be cool to see how it all shakes out. Yeah, great point. Um, Riley, how do you say that freshman guard from Ithaca? How do you say her name? Isabel Seta. <laughs> you know, I was watching the broadcast and I guess the Ithaca broadcasters have figured it out. <laughs> I hope. 
Yeah, they, good name. Yeah. By the way, yeah. just note, I think it slipped past there. Scott was defending Calvin. I, I'm yeah. sure. So I don't know I, if it I, felt weird to him. I don't know if you know about my family history, but I've got two brothers and they attended Wheaton and Calvin. So we've got oh. a lot of a lot of complicated stuff going on. And Thanksgiving and point, must be amazing at your house. We're all far enough removed from our college experiences that we'll kind of all pull for Wheaton and Calvin and the MIAA and <laughs> the CCIW. So Oh, fair. That's awesome, though. Uh, it's really cool. By the way, uh, just because we bring it up, Calvin's getting into the football mix now, too. So it's really getting interesting in that little trio of schools. Hey, guys, really appreciate it. Good stuff. Fascinating look at it. Again, probably want to have a panel on till a little later in December again to kind of dissect what we've now seen, especially post-Christmas and heading into the Christmas or post-Thanksgiving, heading into the Christmas holidays. Uh, but I appreciate your times. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy what you're going to get to watch and enjoy and, and follow these guys on Twitter. We've had their Twitter accounts up, though Gordon doesn't tweet as much, but uh, he certainly uh, posts enough in, in his articles. You can read what he writes up uh, every night. And uh, guys, take care of yourselves. I appreciate it. Good to see everyone. Take care. Thank you, Dave. Once again, thanks to Gordon Riley and Scott for coming on the show. Really appreciate the time they gave me. We're going to try and add a few extra voices to that trio, uh, as all of them are busy. But we'll we'll mix in and, and interact and, and change up our our. Our, our panels. We'll try and restrict it down to just two like we did last season. That's the same on the men's side. So we'll rotate guys so you get to hear from different voices when we do it. Now, it'll be a little bit more consistent when we get to January, but we'll mix in a couple more before the holidays to give you a sense of what we think is going on in the top 25, especially especially those teams maybe we aren't talking about and we should be. A uh, quick note on the women's side. Uh, uh, Gordon brought up the Transylvania schedule and brought up the NJCU a little bit. Transylvania schedule is going to be one that's going to be fascinating to watch. As he pointed out, they may end up raising, rising to number one at some point um, and kind of stay there until proven otherwise. NJCU was an interesting one in the offseason, um, a little bit of a back and forth with their head coach, Gordon, I'm sorry, Pat Coleman and myself, about their scheduling. They used one of their games against a Division One opponent, so they're only going to have 24 games essentially that D3 is going to schedule against. And they've got some tough opponents, not schedule against, I'm sorry, uh, rank against. And they got some really tough opponents that they're going to be uh, playing this year. It, I would almost argue it's a make or break the way they set up that schedule. You got to be successful against, or it's just a great schedule that you didn't do very well against. Uh, and, and it's basically, okay, great. You played so-and-so. All right. But if you played so-and-so and you play this other team and you beat those guys and, and okay, now it's worth the conversation. It, it's, it's, it's either, or it's not going to be in the middle. I don't think, but we'll cross NJCU's bridge at a later date for sure. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show. Quick talk about a couple of notes, thing, ways you can help us because people have been asking us. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what we have hopefully for the next show, though it's not fully booked. It's kind of more what we hope to have, but we'll tease it anyway. Uh, and more. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're on Instagram as well at D3Hoopsville there as well. Back to wrap things up after this. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back as we wrap up our second edition of Hoopsville for the 2022-23 season, our 20th on the air covering Division Three basketball. And to celebrate that, we've got a new T-shirt available to sell. We will uh, certainly put more and more tweets out about that, and we'll link to it in the show page. But check it out, will you? Um, you get a chance to uh, buy not only a regular Hoopsville shirt, which you can personalize, you can get something like hashtag Hoopsville on the back, you can get hashtag Glean for those who know what that is. Uh, there's even a couple of fun shirts in there, but we also do have a special 20th season edition of our Hoopsville shirt that I hope you'll take uh, into consideration and look to, to use or to get yourself. Um, and the proceeds from those shirts benefit us. It comes right to the show, pays bills, which we have mounting uh, and other things. So we are, speaking of which, talking to individuals about sponsorships and advertising and all of that. There are some, in, there is some interest. It depends on the type of interest. We're even having some who wouldn't mind investing in the show, as it were. But we need more than just one. They, they're going to want partners to invest with us. So listen, if you're interested, please contact us. Um, I forgot there, there's a couple of ways you can do this. First off on our Twitter account, even my personal Twitter account, we did set up an option that I didn't know about until last, until this off season where you can click and send money via, I think it's Venmo or cash app. Um, and if there's other options, we'll add them. So you can send them via that and they should come directly to me. If there's some problem, we'll figure it out. Uh, there is give butter. I totally forgot about this. Our friend Ted Stone found it somewhere on our, our pages, and it might be the main Hoopsville page, and I'm, I need to find that. Uh, I need to double-check it a little bit, but he was able to donate money through that, which is great. I just got to figure out how we get it and how much is lost off the top, whether we'll keep that moving, but that, that's wonderful. But if you want to find another way to give to the show, please contact us. Um, if you want to be a sponsor, an advertiser, if you want to invest in the program, if you just want to be kind and donate, please contact us. We will get you the information you need to do that. And and. We're, we're pushing this because we're in our 20th season, and if we want to keep moving forward, especially the way things are in this in this environment, um, we're going to need help. And we've asked for that in the past. It's been tough to ask for that in the past. That's why we want sponsors and advertisers, because we think that's more bang for the buck. We think that's more of what this show is about. But people do ask, and so I'm letting you know. Contact us. We will find a way to help you help us, and we do appreciate that. And, again, please invest in the T-shirts. Those T-shirts, by the way, only available until November 30th. 
at least this go-around, but that will get those shirts out before Christmas and before most conference seasons really get running. As we mentioned earlier, there are certainly conference seasons that are already uh, up and running uh, this season. Um, let's see here. What else do we want to make sure? Of course, new format. Again, we will not be live pretty much the rest of the way through December and into January. Uh, there will be some shows in January that will start adding live but for the most part, they won't be live. But every show between now and then, we're hoping to have at least one men's guest, at least one women's guest, and then maybe even kind of a, an outside-the-box segment on top of that. So three quick interviews is kind of our goal from moving forward. Um, not going to nail it every time, I can tell you that much. I know I want to get a show out before Thanksgiving. Um, other than this one, we already have thoughts of talking about twins coaching against each other in division three we're gonna we're gonna we're efforting to have that on the next show then we probably can get one more interview but because it's tight to thanksgiving we're gonna have to be done we don't have time to to get anything else in but moving forward after that um we'll have i gotta be at soccer championships a weekend after thanksgiving um that early december so we'll get a show out that week we hope as well and then after that we can maybe work on getting about uh two shows out a week if we can we'll see it it really also depends on what else is going on in division three if there's not a lot going on in division three we're not going to force our hands either but that 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 evergreen one could also be hey we'll go back and talk to some of the guys in the top 25 panel or some uh, on either men and women so we're, we're going to be flexible. We're going to kind of go with the flow. We're going to try and book these shows, get them together, uh, not air them live, but give you a sense of still what's going on in Division Three. keep the Hoopsville format, as, as it were, the feel to the show, et cetera, as we work our way into January. By then, hopefully, a lot of ducks are in a row that we can start doing more and more live shows, talk about issues that are important in Division Three. Of course, we talked about the 114 days that will be voted on in January and some other things. So that's all moving ahead of us, and we hope to build towards that uh, and, and then return to what we normally do, and that is be on the air twice a week live, at least two hours, if not longer, talking to as many coaches and as many individuals as we can throughout the division uh, and really giving you the best we have. So I hope that all makes sense. If you got questions, contact us. We'll be happy to answer them as well. Uh, that's going to wrap things up. The great weekend of basketball ahead prior to Thanksgiving. There's even some good pre-Thanksgiving games to keep an eye on. And even like at Christopher Newport, there should be a dandy of a tournament on Thanksgiving weekend as well. So lots to talk about in Division Three. So stay with us here on Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC Studios. We really are looking forward to uh, giving you the best we got and the best Division Three has, and we'll keep you as a we'll keep you informed and up to date. Of course, you can also do that via Twitter at D3Hoopsville using the hashtag Hoopsville, using the hashtag D3Hoops to talk everything and everything Division Three basketball. Of course, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. And we'll we'll try and also upload these videos. I know some people like to watch them through Facebook. We'll try and do that as well. We'll upload these to not only, uh, which you've probably already found as as well. We'll we'll upload them to our Blue Frame friends, but we'll also put them up on YouTube. So there's lots of options for people to watch. And then most importantly, the podcast is available. And again, if there's ways to subscribe, to give us a thumbs up, to um, thank us for whatever it is that we have uh, for a show and like what we have and promotes us, gives us a little bit more viewership, a little bit more notoriety, gives us a little bit more visibility. Those things all help us as well. And so please don't hesitate to, to give us a little love if you could. I want to thank all of our guests who came on on the men's panel, of course, Ryan Scott, Bob Quillman, and Scott Peterson. I want to thank on the women's panel, Gordon Mann, Riley Zayas, uh, and um, 
Scott Peterson, of course, their work on Twitter. We had their Twitter accounts on the screens. Sans Gordon, he's about the only one who's not on Twitter. Uh, of course, all of their work, whether it's the CubeCast or the D3 Datacast, or Riley's work covering women's basketball, uh, and Scott's just in the background doing uh, stats stuff, you know, give them some love as well. as uh, they, they have as big a heart about Division Three as any of us, and I appreciate them finding the time to help us on today's show. You've been listening to Hoopsville, presented by T3Hoops.com from the NABC studios. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to watch Hoopsville. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you next week. Copyrighted broadcast of Hoopsville is a property of DMAC Productions and David McHugh and is intended solely for the private, personal use of our audience. Any other broadcast, rebroadcast, or other use of the descriptions and accounts of this show without the express written consent of Hoopsville and DMAC Productions is strictly prohibited.